buying something that's dirty, filthy, stinky, usually hoarder's properties that nobody's willing to go near. And often the gold is in those properties. Because you're so much undervalue, it gives you a lot of leeway. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello everyone. I hope you are enjoying your day off. I tossed up whether to do this session or not and I thought, you know what, let's just stick with the program. So here we are. And so what I want to talk about today is renovating in 2023. So give you some tips for navigating the current market conditions. And so I've got five different strategies to talk about. And so the reason I'm doing this is because thanks to the magic of television, whenever anyone thinks about renovating, usually what they're thinking about is flipping. And as I've said many times before, but I'll say it again, flipping is the highest risk strategy and really the benefits are, it's probably the lowest return in the long run. However, I do know that that lots of people want to flip. So I am going to start with that and talk about some adjustments that you need to make in order to make sure that you are managing your risk. So as you know, we are in a changing environment with interest rates going up quite rapidly and we don't really know what's going to happen in the first part of, well, we don't really know what's going to happen in the future full stop. So it's always wise to err on the side of caution. Yeah, because the alternative is not desirable. And so if you are still planning to flip this year, there's a few adjustments that I believe that you should make. Now, I'm assuming if you're planning to flip that you are aware of the risks and you've got some experience with renovating. So the reason I say that is because the property market goes up and down all the time. And even in good times, there's an element of risk with flipping. Because if you buy on a high and then have to sell on a low, then you can sort of eat up your profit margin. So it cannot be great. So regardless of what market you are working in, you really always need to be willing to hold the property if necessary. I learned this lesson the hard way a very long time ago. So when we're doing a project in Adelaide and the market changed considerably and when we went to sell, we couldn't get our price. Now, we did sell and basically didn't make a profit, but had we held on to it, and at the time I didn't think we could hold on to it, but in reality that was wrong, that property would have certainly gone up in value exponentially. So we did again experience that in 2019 after the Financial Royal Commission, but this time we're a bit wiser. And so we did hold on and we then preserved our profit. And so it was a happy ending. But that brings us to the first point that you do need to be willing to hold. And one of the things that you should consider doing is 
owning the furniture that you style a property with. Because if you do that, then you have options. If you've paid for styling and usually the contracts are for six weeks, when that the end of that contract comes, then you've got to either pay weekly, ongoingly, or send it away and then restyle it again when you go back to market, which is just an enormous expense. So I do like to own my styling furniture, so I buy the furniture. I don't necessarily spend a huge amount of money. I do buy a mix of brand new and marketplace, and I've built up a collection of pieces for the wall art for the wall. But that then enables me to hold it for longer and also to list the property on Airbnb, which is my preferred plan B, because you have an opportunity to vet your guests. So, you know, if you've got a guest that's not doing the right thing, you're able to get them out and you have to keep the property in peak condition because it won't list, it won't get booked if it's not in peak condition. It's getting cleaned often. And if you want to take people through potential buyers through, you're able to slot them in between the guests. So from my point of view, short-term rental is by far the best plan B. It's not always possible, depending on the area you're in, and you might be in an apartment where it's not allowed. But even if it's not allowed, you are allowed a minimum of three months. And so there's ways around that, I guess is what I'm saying. The second point is you need to make sure that you flesh out your plan B early in the project. Don't say, oh, well, I'll just put it on Airbnb and then get there and find that's not going to work or you're still not going to be able to afford to hold it. So you want to do a fairly thorough plan B analysis before you actually get into that position. Now, the other things that I wanted to talk about in terms of the type of property you buy is when you buy like a a unit or a house We always try to do more than just a cosmetic renovation. So we call it Cosmetic Plus because you want to add some sort of power to your value adding. So just a pure cosmetic renovation can be, it can be borderline whether that's perceived as really good value. But we do that by staying within the building footprint usually don't usually do an extension because then that means that you need to get council approval. That brings an element of risk into it and so on. And in the current environment, I would make sure that I'm buying something that I can add massive value to so that you can really exponentially increase the value of the property. And by doing that and doing it in a cost-effective way, always this we underline everything we do with you've got to manage the budget, then you can really increase, you can take your project into a new price bracket. So for instance, we had a renovator last year who converted the garage on a property, a three bedroom, one bath. She was able to convert it into a four bedroom, two bath and two living areas. So really exponential growth. It does still require approvals but they're done by the complying development process. Don't assume that you can do that in every area. So you need to know what your council expects. So that's another little rider. But by doing that, she was able to really exponentially grow the value of the property. And 
she made a an enormous profit and yeah so that's a good sort of insurance policy another way of really exponentially growing the value of a property and it's not cosmetic plus it's more of a structural renter is by adding a level so if you can find a property that has a single level property and add a level make it two story often that will be big value add and but of course it does require some skill because you're talking about a structural reno it requires very thorough due diligence as do all the things that I'm talking about today okay so that's it so if you're insisting on flipping that's the way to go about it now the second thing I want to talk about is taking advantage of the lower prices so something that I really love to do and it's a good time to be doing it because the rising interest rates have impacted the prices, is to land bank. And what I mean by that is buying up two or three projects and holding them until you're ready to do them. And that's an amazing strategy for a few reasons. One, because obviously you're buying low and you will hold them to sell high. But the second reason is because it's sort of, gives you flow in terms of your renovating process. So rather than down, downing tools every time you finish a project to then go and spend the time finding another one, you're ready, you can just move straight into that next project. And the third reason why that's a good strategy is because often when you buy, renovate and sell quickly, the question is why are they selling? And so you sort of avoid that question because it's much easier for a buyer to, I guess, comprehend the fact that someone might have owned something for one or two years and then be reselling it. But if you're reselling it in, let's say, six months, often that does set up some red flags. And the other reason why I think this is good, because I find that deals often come in threes. Like when you start looking, it's easy to find one two or even three projects or properties that have got good potential. And so by buying them and banking them up, maybe renting them or putting them on Airbnb will really just streamline your whole process. Of course, you have to have the capacity to be able to do that. So that goes without saying. And of course, with interest rate rises, you may be looking at higher cash flow holding strategies. But it's still a good idea to explore. Now, the next strategy I want to talk about is adding a land component to your project. So same with when you're renovating a unit or a house and you're working in a fluctuating market, if you, say, buy a property, a house to renovate and sell and you can build one or two new dwellings on that block, it sort of spreads the risk over two or three rather than just one. So if the property market sort of fluctuates a little bit, then you might have paid 600000 for the property and so your block of land for each is worth 200000 So if that property drops down to, say, five fifty, instead of one property losing $50,000, you have spread that over three. I think that's a great strategy and it's certainly one where implementing at the moment with our project in Ichuka. And the other great thing about that one is you're really using the renovation of the house to get your land for your new properties 
for free, okay? So I say free in quotation marks because it's not always totally free, but certainly significantly less than if you went out and bought land to build on. And the reason why you sell the renovated property and keep the new is because new properties are just so much better in terms of low maintenance, high depreciation, and in terms of return as well, your yield will be better if it's a new property. So it just makes life a whole lot easier. And the last thing is because of the tax implications. If you sell new properties in the first five years, you will pay GST. So you want to work with your accountant to understand those implications as well. But the same thing doesn't apply to the existing property. So that's my second strategy. And the other thing about microdevelopment is even if you're doing flipping, it increases your profit margin exponentially. I know one of our Wonder Women has done a microdevelopment in Kyneton and I was talking to her the other day and she was discussing the fact that she may actually even just sell the block because the profit on it is so good and it's even grown in the time that she's owned it. So she's bought a house, renovated it, got it on Airbnb, and she's now developing the extra land, the block, and subdividing. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can execute that particular strategy. And the third one is renovating your principal place of residence. Now, I personally think your principal place of residence is the jewel in your property portfolio for lots of reasons. But the main reason is that any profit that you make on that project, if you sell it, is tax-free for most people. So this all these comments come with a rider, check with your accountant. But when that really comes into play is if you're getting ready for retirement. So and you're planning to downsize. So downsizing is a super profit strategy. And the reason being is you've got four opportunities to increase your asset base and your income through that process. So generally speaking, if you're planning to downsize, you want to maximize the value on your home before you put it on the market. So that's one project. And so we did this 10 years ago and we added about 200000 in cash into our sort of asset base. Basically, it paid off our mortgage. So that was pretty cool. And we came out of that with a lump sum to go and buy our next property. Now, thing to remember is most people are too lazy to do this. So as a renovator, when you're really motivated by your passion for creating beautiful homes... That's a superpower and it gives you the energy and the motivation to actually really extract the most value out of this strategy. Okay, so you get your own home sold. I probably would suggest that you buy your new one before you sell your old one, provided you can afford to do that. So, and it doesn't put you under financial stress, but either way, it doesn't really matter. So the next property you buy, you buy a doer upper so that you're buying it at wholesale price rather than going out and buying a smart new apartment that's at full retail price, buy a doer-upper. And while you're doing that, see if you can get something 
buy a house if you can and get something that has an opportunity on it to have a secondary dwelling. So once again, I had a Wonder Woman that did this just prior to Christmas. She and her husband bought a doer-upper in North Narrambeen. They got it for a fantastic price. And it also had a quaint little studio that they could rent. Even on long-term rent, it brings in like a substantial amount of income, which really is good when you're that close to retirement. So that's the third thing, adding an income. And then the fourth thing is that surplus funds, there are provisions to add extra money into your superannuation. So by working with your financial planner, you can add the surplus into your super fund in order to give you even further, yeah, benefits in your retirement. So renovate to downsize is a really powerful strategy. And if you're getting to downsize, you really want to be starting to strategize about that now. And then the last one is renovating for Airbnb. Now, there's been a lot in the news about Airbnb, about the returns on Airbnbs falling in some areas. And that's absolutely true. Some areas are just so oversaturated, it's not funny. And so it's really important if you're going to be going down this path that you make sure that you do your research because you need to find a gap in the market. And there are plenty of them. There are plenty of areas where Airbnb is going gangbusters. But obviously, places like Byron Bay and the Central Coast, and I'm sure there are others around the country, I think the Gold Coast was one of them, are not doing that well. So you don't want to go anywhere near them. You want to, like any property you buy, you want to research and find a need. So, for instance, we have a Wonder Woman who provides accommodation for film crews. So that's it's a very niche market, but she's identified her market. So you need to find the need. And it's not in places that you would expect. I was actually talking to a host yesterday who is renting a fairly modest family home in remote Queensland. And that is bringing her in around about $5,000 a month. So she knows her market, she knows her area. And so she's got an, that Airbnb set up. Yeah, it's really supercharging their income. And that additional income is so useful for other investments, for paying school fees, for paying for holidays, paying your mortgage. So really smart strategy, but you want to make sure that you do your research. Now, there is an online tool for doing that, but you do need to go a bit deeper than that because often, well, there's two things that happen. One, it can tell you that there's not enough data for the area, or the other one is that that sometimes the results are not that accurate. And why that is, is there might be an absolutely super property in your area and it skews all the other results. So you want to make sure that you do thorough research and make sure that you've identified your market before you go to actually spending the money on setting one up. So they're my tips. So the first one is if you're planning to flip, one, make sure that you're willing to hold. Two, either buy something that you can add massive value to 
or two, buy something that's massively undervalued. And usually what that means is buying something that's dirty, filthy, stinky, usually hoarder's properties that nobody's willing to go near. And often the gold is in those properties. Because you're so much undervalued, it gives you a lot of leeway. So that's that one. The next one is land banking. So if you can buy more than one project and just rent them out, to cover their holding costs and hold them until you're ready to move on to them. It gives them some age when you come to sell, but it also means that you get flow and you buy low and you sell high. The third one is microdevelopment, my favourite strategy. So that's where you're using your renovation to get your land virtually for free and enables you to grow a portfolio, a high cash flow, high equity portfolio quickly. And often, so we bought one in Echuca for $542,000, so quite a good price point. And you can, yeah, so you basically increase the profit margin and it's better to keep the new if you can. And the fourth one I talked about was renovating for Airbnb. And while you can get very good returns from modest homes, you need to make sure that you do your research. Now, before I go, I have just written a new guide on, I think it's 20 different ways to create a better life with renovating an Airbnb. So if you would like a copy of that guide, just let me know, say, I want the guide in the comments and I'll see that you get one. So I've really only just finished it. And it's a series of stories about how different women in our community have gone about transforming their lives with renovating. Now, I hope you have a great day today and sharing good times with fellow Australians and I will see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.